Batman and Wildcat. Welcome to FW Team Up, a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. I'm Siskoid. And I'm Ange. Taking you through a classic superhero team-up, Batman and Wildcat, with a side order of Joker from Brave and the Bold, number 118, cover dated April 1975. And Ange, people might be surprised you're not doing a Supergirl team-up. Well, you know, I don't necessarily want to be pigeonholed into one topic, and this is one of those comics that um, I hold near and dear to my heart from my... Uh from my long lost youth. Uh, and you know, I want to try to diversify. So I <laughs> love the fire and water podcast for letting me talk about things like the crime doctor. And now this comic, which has a medical bent. Yes. In <laughs> fact, I, you know, I have told you one of the reasons why um, I picked this was that there are comics that I can vividly remember from my youth that have like a little bit of a medical bend that I wonder if somehow they like planted a seed of curiosity that led me uh, to the career that I've chosen. So certainly my discussion with Rob uh, about the crime doctor sort of touched on that. And now this one, I can remember there's one specific part of this that is a question that sort of, you know, really plagued me as a kid that I sort of wanted to know the truth behind. Uh, and certainly it's medical in nature. We'll sort of touch on it, I'm sure, when we get there. Secret or of Dr. Ange. Could very well be. Uh, <laughs> could very well be. Well, in each episode of FW Team Up, one panelist will pick one character to defend. So in this case, Ange, who's your guy? I'm picking Batman. All right, then I will take Wildcat. As is customary, we'll preface with a reason or reasons why we like the character we've chosen. So, Ange, what's one thing you enjoy about the Batman? Yeah, so I'll say I'm not exactly a Batman kind of a guy, but I feel for you. You have to cover Superman and Batman and Spider-Man a lot, so I figured I would take Batman. And one of the things that really sticks to me these days is his... Uh, drive and his dedication as Batman. You know, it would have been very easy for him as a young Bruce Wayne at any stage of the game of his training to just quit. I mean, think about people who make New Year's resolutions to try not to curse or to try to lose weight. And then like a month later, they give up. Here's a guy who said, I'm going to become the best fighter and best detective that there is. At any point along the way, he could have quit. He could have decided to live a life of leisure or he could have decided that you know, he would turn his energies towards other ways of helping social injustice like charity worker reform. But he was so driven that he became that world's greatest detective and that world's greatest fighter and really that world's greatest everything. Before we get Batman, we had to have years of grueling training without Bruce ever giving up. He was just dedicated to his craft and getting where he needed to get. And really, that's what awes me about Batman. Like, I'm sure I would have said, forget it. I'm just going to, like, live on an island somewhere. Well, maybe not an island, but uh, but instead he chose to sort of devote his life towards this and uh, never gave up. Yeah, I've already failed to keep my re New Year's resolution of striking fear into the hearts of criminals. <laughs> <laughs> Every year I say I'm not going to be as cynical and sarcastic as I am, uh, and I fail usually within a few days. So uh, so I got it. And tell me what you love about Wildcat. Well, there's just something about, you know, a grizzled old fighter who, who also won't give up. You know, Batman didn't give up when he was a kid, and Wildcat's not giving up when he's a senior citizen. Uh, you know, a guy who just has his fists and his skills to work with, and having him in Brave and the Bold... It's like Bob Haney decided to make him the original legacy hero. Uh, he was there before Superman and Batman, uh, even on Earth-1, apparently. 
You know, if, if we if we take Bob Haney's word, a lot of the Bob Haney stories don't seem to really take place on Earth-1 exactly. Uh, there are a lot of discrepancies, but let's say that he did exist on Earth-1 and Earth-2 uh, in both realities, then he was a precursor to the Batman. And legacy is the thing I like the most about the, the post-crisis DC Universe. Uh, so this guy's like a one-man manifestation of that back in the 70s. Even if there wasn't a Wildcat 2 until the 80s, which would be the real legacy, let's say, his legacy is that he sort of trained everyone that is younger than himself, including the Batman, right? So that's what I like about Wildcat. He represents that whole legacy idea that Bob Haney was playing with. Because he was, you know, Bob Haney was really the the guy who invented the idea of a, of DC legacies in a way. There is the, the legacy from Earth Two to Earth One uh, under uh, you know Julius Schwartz and all that, but. Bob Haney was working with the, you know, let's do something with the sidekicks with the Teen Titans. Let's, let's have Wildcat be the guy who trained every, uh, you know, fist pumping superhero that was current. Let's do stories where Superman and Batman have kids. And those guys, you know, Superman and Batman Jr. have their own adventures as well. So, uh, he was toying with that idea long before DC decided to make it, you know, the standard. Yeah. You know, I love him as being that kind of, as you said, grizzled old fighter. He kind of reminds me of like uncles that I've had or, you know, my father's uncles when I knew them. You know, they're sort of like good natured, well meaning curmudgeons uh, is sort of how I think of them. And I think the other thing that I like about him is that. He has like a really simple fighting style. It's boxing, right? There's nothing esoteric or, you know, unusual about it or crazy, but he's able to just lay the smack down and be a superhero. You know, Batman is everything we could be. Wildcat is kind of a more attainable goal. You can be a great boxer and put on a, you know, a superhero suit and go out there and, and take on crime. And I just love his costume too. There's something sort of simple and weird about him with those sort of crazy jowls that hang down in the gray little cheeks with the whiskers. I think he's just kind of cool looking too. Yeah, no, the original strips from the Golden Age were, you know, you could tell that this was a very odd take on the the cowl idea, and uh, not a lot of people went that that route, you know, almost furry route uh, with their costumes. But uh, Wildcat certainly did, and he's, he sort of he looks original. You know, he's, he, yeah. he still looks like he's the only guy that does this really. Yeah, I love it. Well, Batman really needs no introduction, so you <laughs> you've been saved from uh, writing some sort of long character history but let's uh let's talk about wildcats publication ted grant wildcat first appears in sensation comics number one that's cover dated january 1942 which also premiered the not exactly obscure wonder woman uh wildcat was created by writer bill finger of batman fame and designed by artist erwin hazen his sensation strip would last through issue 90 cover dated june 1949 he first worked with the justice society of america in all-star comics number 24 but he wasn't a regular member until the silver age when he appeared with a starman and black canary in the pre-Batman days of Brave and the Bold, and then the JLA-JSA crossovers. Of course, by this point, uh, he was relegated to Earth 2 along with the other Golden Age heroes, but that didn't stop zany Bob Haney from plugging him into the, his version of Earth-1 Gotham City, as if he'd always been an Earth-1 hero. The issue we're covering today is, in fact, Batman's fourth of five team-ups with Wildcat and Brave and the Bold. Uh, meanwhile, he was starring in the revived All-Star Comics, which featured the adventures of an older JSA on Earth-2, so we better not ask too many questions. Uh, and in the 80s, he was a fairly frequently featured member of All-Star Squadron. But in the present-day time frame, uh, his legs were shattered during crisis, making way for a younger Wildcat to take the mantle. But he still took part in Last Days of the JSA, when he was trapped in a time-looped Ragnarok for years. 
So when the JSA returns, so did he, and his career has mostly been wrapped up with that team. If it, the JSA, had a book, Wildcat was probably a big part of it. Jeff Johns even gave him the mythical nine lives of a cat as a power to make sure he would stick around despite his age. Uh, but he's also remained a favorite guest star for many writers, training various heroes in the pugilistic arts, and even getting a miniseries with Catwoman, That's uh, actually fodder for this show, if anyone's interested. Uh, he's even appeared in live action, first in Smallville, then on Arrow, and he's apparently in the cast of the upcoming Stargirl show. So watch for that. It's just crazy. I mean, we get so many shows these days. I can't wait to see Wildcat. And, you know, if you Google Wildcat and Alex Toth, you'll actually see a pitch that Toth made for him in the early 80s. And that would have been a book I would have bought the hell out of. And mm. I think he's also been on the Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon, I think voiced by... Um, The guy that was the drill sergeant in Full Metal Jacket. I'm wow. blanking his name right now. And I also think he was in the Justice League Unlimited cartoon as well. So he really has uh, had sort of like a, a wide uh, breadth of appearances in different places, uh, which is sort of interesting for what I would consider to be kind of like a lesser known character to the world at large. But still a pretty focused concept. I think that's what works for him, both in look yeah. and just, you know, the, the modus operandi. So let's get into this comic. Brave and the Bold, number 118, May the Best Men Win, no, Die, by writer Bob Haney and artist Jim Aparo. At Sparta Prison, just north of Gotham, Batman and Commissioner Gordon confront an inmate, Mike Dubsack, a former lackey of the Joker. The Joker has escaped and is on a rampage of murder and mayhem that is extreme even for the clown prince of crime. Dubsec won't give up where the Joker is hiding, so he's tossed into solitary. Batman is hoping that some time in the hole will break Dubsec's resolve and loosen his tongue. And it seems to be working, as a week later, Dubsec sends a message to the Joker that he's cracking. A message that Batman intercepted and sent on to make sure that the Joker received it. Meanwhile... The Joker, fearing his whereabouts will be given up soon, meets up with a rather unscrupulous doctor, aren't they all, who sells him something risky. Hillman's Jim, aging boxing champ Ted Grant, is working out. He's got an exhibition bout at Sparta Prison tomorrow. Retired fighter Whitey Ross comes up to him and asks him if he can be his corner man, and Ted agrees. The next day, even though the warden promised not to let Dubsec out of solitary, he's the best boxer in the prison, and he once fought Ted Grant. If there's no rematch, there might be a riot. So they let Dubsec into Gen Pop for the day. After a mix-up with the water buckets, what was Whitey doing with Dubsec's pail? The fight begins. Dubsec comes at him hard, and the exhibition turns into a brutal grudge match. Grant is down at the seven count. Whitey coaches him to exploit Dubsec's weakness, and bam! A right hook sends Dubsec to the mat. For good. It's Ted Grant in the fourth round. Two days later, the prison is suddenly afflicted with an outbreak of a rare tropical plague, endangering hundreds of inmates. It becomes clear to Batman what has happened. The Joker infected Dubsec's ringside water with the germ. And when Dubsec ate in Gen Pop after the fight, he spread it to the rest of the prison. Calling Ted Grant back to Gotham, Batman asks Wildcat to help him bring the Joker to justice. 
But then a miracle for those inmates. A scientist at Barston Institute has been researching this rare disease. The doctor has a dog named Spot, a small puppy that looks straight out of the little rascals, who is immune to the tropical fever and has enough antibodies in his system to save everyone. In an armored police caravan, protected from above by Batman and his whirly bat and on the ground by Wildcat on a motorcycle, the dog is being brought to the prison. But the Joker is still aiming to get Dubsec silent and six feet underground. Learning of this escort for Spot, the mountebank of malice drives a truck and gets in front of the police armored car housing Spot. That truck's exhaust is Joker gas, causing the police who inhale the fumes to laugh uncontrollably and veer off the road. Batman calls down to Wildcat to investigate and save Spot from the suddenly crashed convoy. Wildcat is on the case, weaving through traffic on his catocycle. Unfortunately, the Joker manages to make the armored car crash. The guards are out. Spot is out. The clown prince of crime grabs him as Wildcat bears down on him. But... Spot jumps out of the car window, running after another dog, and Wildcat is forced to let the Joker go as he goes after the priceless canine. The dogs run right to an opening drawbridge and jump into a barge. Wildcat has no choice but to jump the gap with his bike. Down on the barge, the boatman admonishes his dog Queenie about bringing in strays, and he throws Spot on the shore. Moments later, Wildcat roars by, not noticing the dog hidden in a pipe. While our heroes comb the city, the dog, oh so charming and cute, is found by some dog lovers. First, a young boy takes a liking, playing with the puppy in the streets, until Spot is chased off by a well-intentioned Batman trying to bring him in. Then, the pooch finds a loving temporary home with a down-on-his-luck man. When the man discovers the dog knows dog tricks, he thinks he has a meal ticket off of the streets. The man was in show business and knows when he has a winning act. This will put him back in the circus game and on Easy Street. He's so convinced of this, he lies to Batman when the Dark Knight detective comes looking for him. The man says he hasn't seen the dog. But spooked by Batman again, Spot runs away and jumps into the open doors of a dog catcher's truck. Despite a media blitz across Gotham showing the dog, Spot isn't found. Batman and Wildcat are worried. The prisoners are getting more ill. Without those antibodies, they'll soon die. An impatient Wildcat announces that it's no use doing nothing. He might as well jump on his bike and play dog catcher again. Of course, Batman yells, the dog catcher. Heading to the local pound, the heroes are shocked to find that Spot has already been claimed by some bozo with green hair. The Joker now has all the cards. And he isn't called the Ace of Knaves for nothing. The Joker breaks into Batman's private police radio band and taunts our heroes to show up at Jefferson Square Garden, a boxing arena. If the heroes want the dog to save the prisoners, they'll need to box for Joker's amusement and fight to the death. If the Joker isn't pleased by their effort, his henchmen will shoot the dog. And to spice things up, Batman and Wildcat are laced into Roman Sesta. Initially dancing and shadow boxing, the two are spurred into a more real fight by the threats of the Joker. Soon, real punches are thrown. Ah, the sweet science in the squared circle. Wildcat lands a solid right on Batman's kisser. Crack! Then clinching each other, the two heroes aren't sure how to get out of this jam. And the lethal aspect of the Roman Cesti have become obvious. Each punch is powerful and potentially deadly. Batman lands a body blow. Wildcat leans in. The two heroes hit each other at the same time and both crash to the floor. A double KO. The Joker reveals that the Cesti were tainted with the same rare fever germs that infected the prison. 
Now they're also dying, and once Spot is out of the way, nothing can stop it. Spot jumps on the Joker's gun wrist and bites down hard, so the Joker tells his goon to go out and get rid of the puppy permanently. But even dazed from the mat, Batman has an idea. He tells the Joker that Spot's saliva is teeming with the tropical germ. The bite has infected the Joker, who now needs the antibodies too. The Harlequin of Hate will die if the dog dies. Running to the docks near the arena, the Joker sees his thug toss Spot into the drink, a heavy stone tied to the canine's neck. The Joker dives in to save the dog, to only then remember he can't swim. Spot has luckily escaped his noose and drags the Joker to the surface where Batman and Wildcat have arrived. As for Batman's reveal of the dog infecting the Joker with this bite, it was a bluff. It might be true, of course, but regardless, it did the job, getting the Joker away from the hero so they could recover from their match. Minutes later, the dog is on his way to the prison, and luckily Spot has enough antibodies to save everyone, including our heroes. As a bonus, the Joker is now back in stir where he needs to be. In jail. Let's talk about that medical aspect of this story. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have to say, this is one of those things where, as a kid, I just couldn't understand. Was the dog carrying the disease, or did the dog have the antibodies to cure the disease, right? And, you know, I puzzled and puzzled and puzzled over that as a kid. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. How could it be both? Of course, you know, I didn't understand that there could be something called a carrier state back then, right? The dog could have the disease and could be immune to it with antibodies such that he's able to fight any systemic manifestations while still being able to spread it, right? That's what typhoid Mary had. She had typhoid, right. but she wasn't suffering from typhoid fever. So back then, I just didn't quite understand that, you know, and I think also part of my problem was that, you know, Batman is like, well, I could be lying. And I'm like, well, I, that makes it even more confusing to me, right? I was like, you know, maybe seven or eight years old when I read this, having bought it at a yard sale, I'm sure. But I have to say, like reading it nowadays, there's no way that tiny little dog has enough antibodies in it for a whole prison, right? I mean, the hope would be that they somehow get the antibodies and then are able to, you know, create some sort of serum. But that just always sort of like vexed me as a kid that I didn't understand it then. And so I said, you know, maybe I need to sort of get a better understanding of this. And maybe that's what led me to be a doctor. Well, I had that resource at, at home or uh, you know, part of the time because my, my, my dad's a doctor. Huh. That never came up and necessarily in covers. I don't remember what I learned about medicine necessarily and at that age. And Brave and the Bold was never sold in my area. Never. Huh. I've never seen an issue of Brave and the Bold on the stands where I live. You know, I have to say that one of the things I love about this podcast um, in general is that, you know, team-up books were one of my go-to things as a kid. You know, I bought a lot of DC Comics Presents. I bought a lot of Brave and Bold. I bought a lot of, you know, Marvel team-up. And it was a way. There were no who's who back then, right? So you'd see, you know mm – -hmm. Uh, Spider-Man and Satana, and you'd be like, who the heck is that, right, you know, and, and so you'd buy it, it was a way to sort of learn about the universe, and this was one of those ones, I didn't know who Wildcat was, this was probably my first, uh, you know, interaction with him, so that was great, and then the way that that fight is presented, it's just palpable that these guys are like really laying into each other, so, you know, that's one of the things that I love about this, is that, you know, Batman has a hundred different fighting styles that he could use, but he boxes uh, Wildcat, and, you know, it's a double KO. He is just as good at boxing as 
Wildcat is. Uh, that was one of the things that I loved about this. Just as good, and yet, is that a fair fight? Because you know, it's a two-a standstill, and yet Wildcat is so much older. <laughs> so uh, if Wildcat were in his prime, he'd be able to, you know, to wipe the mat with uh, with Batman as well. I'm, I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I suppose that's true. I suppose that's true. And this is one of those things, you know. There's the added bonus of those Roman cesti. This is, I'm sure, the first time that I heard that word. And as I've said on yeah. other shows, right, one of the things that was great about uh, comics was that if you dropped a vocabulary word on your parents, they thought you were learning, right? So it'd be like, hey, Dad, ever hear of Roman cesti, the spiked boxing gloves they used? I learned about that in comics. And maybe they would say, like, okay, you know, the kid's learning something. So I'm sure I use that as a way to have them buy me even more books. That makes sense. And I like the way Bob Haney's mind works. What do we know about Wildcat? Okay, he's a boxer. He's also got a cat motif. Cool. This is how the, the story is born. There's going to be a boxing element that's very central to the story. Uh, well, actually, two boxing elements, because the, the, the way the Joker gets into the prison or manipulates events is to manipulate the fight that Wildcat gets into, or Ted Grant gets into. And then later, uh, he forces Batman and Wildcat to box. Not necessarily knowing that Wildcat is actually Ted Grant. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so he does that. But so there's a lot of boxing. And then also central to the story is a dog, which is ironic because the main guest star is uh, a, a cat. And Batman's a mouse. He's a you know, flying yeah, mouse. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you got all three, uh, you know, basic cartoon opponents <laughs> in the same story. Uh, what did you think of, um, the Joker in this. Does he, they had a logo to go with it. So they, they put him on the cover as well as like a third guest star. I did not get a third party to cover the Joker with us. That answers my question from my point of view. Does the Joker actually merit you know, guest star status? I don't really think so. He doesn't, other than the laughing gas coming out of the van. You could almost substitute anybody else into his role. This isn't necessarily a Joker-specific uh, story for me. And I also find it very interesting that, like, he walks into the pound. He's clearly the Joker. And the guy's like, okay, take the dog, <laughs> right? Some bozo with green hair. Like, don't you know who the Joker is, dude? Right? So, so that was another thing that kind of struck me as being a little bit odd about this. I, I didn't have continuous news channels in the, uh, in the 70s. It all happens a lot in, you know, especially in, in uh, team-up books where uh, by necessity, it's like the heroes don't know who each who they are. You'd think that like the main heroes would keep files on lesser lights, at least see them in the news or, you know, you just want to keep track of who's who. Folks on the street don't know who the Joker is. You'd think you'd be, it's not like you, you've heard the name, but you don't know what they look like. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's been around for a little bit. I think that he would uh, stand out. <laughs> you know, this wasn't his henchman who claimed the dog. It was him. So, But he does have a pretty good, uh, I mean, Joker here is, I don't know if the word powerful is uh, is the best one, but he is very proficient because, I mean, he's on Batman's frequency in the Batmobile. Uh, he's tapped Commissioner Gordon's phone. Uh, this is a Joker that's it's sort of manipulating, a, you know, a real mastermind. If I were Batman... I'd be thinking of, you know, let's let's find some sort of rotating frequency on this car because <laughs> the Joker's listening in on my calls. And, you know, 
He must be wondering who is this Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's that's. I didn't think about that. that. Yeah, he probably is eavesdropping a bunch. And as you say, I mean, this isn't Joker venom. He's he's using. He's using some rare tropical plague. He is kind of being a little bit more, um, you know, highbrow and a, more of a mastermind in in what he's doing here. Uh, yeah, no sticks here. No real clown sticks. It's uh, very odd, but very Bob Haney to just dismiss the the premise and do what you want with it because there's nothing about the you know roman sesti i mean th- this would be like a maxi zeus maybe uh, kind of trick or uh you know you could think of different batman villains that might be more interested in uh sort of roman lore or tropical diseases or you know it's sort of a, a hodgepodge of different modus operandi and not necessarily the jokers yeah you know i mean in the very famous you know denny o'neill neil adams jokers five-way revenge right i think he actually poisoned somebody's boxing water right doesn't batman go to in- interrogate one of joker's old henchmen and he's like let's box a few rounds and he drinks the water and he, it's joker venom and he dies that way so uh so it's interesting that he decided to do it differently this time so the joker and boxing yeah <laughs> it's like a deadly combination uh that we didn't realize but there it is. Uh, and this dog, Spot, I think is a very, uh, you know, an example of Bob Haney's expediency. Uh, we need the dog to do a number of things. And so he's he's a typhoid puppy. There is that. He's the test subject. He's the only one that's got the antibodies. But also, he's jumping off bridges. He's doing tricks so that the the homeless man thinks he's found his meal ticket with this dog. He's like doing handstands. Yeah, yeah. So what is this dog? What life has this dog led? <laughs> yeah, and and for me, there were like literal pages devoted to him playing with this boy and him doing these tricks. Like I almost wondered if Bob Haney was trying to do like a a backdoor public service announcement to you know go to your local pound and and get the love of your life, right? Because <laughs> because really there are there's a lot of story devoted to how uh, charming this little dog is, immediately taken in by people or other dogs. <laughs> that is correct, <laughs> Queenie on the porch. <laughs> So uh, he's a lover, not a fighter. Unlike Wildcat, you know, it's uh, – I say that, but at the same time, I think one of the things that I like about Wildcat in this story, yes, he's a fighter, but he's also very humane in a way that Batman isn't, you know? Uh, I think there's like this um, this sort of confrontation of philosophies where Batman basically says uh, at one point, you know, uh, we got to save these prisoners' lives – even if they're convicts. <laughs> so he, he sounds like he's forcing himself to save criminals, which, which you know, of course, he's, he's he's waging this war on on crime. You know, he's not a killer, but he dismisses the lives of these men uh, rather easily. Whereas Wildcat actually goes out of his way to, to do a charity bout. Oh, I say charity, but, you know, like a special event for convicts so that – and he actually says, you know, that these guys are people. They're they're worthy of our attention and of getting entertainment. And, you know, not just because they're paying for their crimes doesn't mean that they should be shut out of society entirely. So it's like he's very much more um, – I'll use the word liberal – the way he deals with humanity. You know, he's got a, a real humanity to him in that that small moment that Batman doesn't really have. Even the way that he, you know, looks upon this ex-boxer Whitey and says, like, sure, of course you can be my corner man. Like, that's, I think that that's sort of like reaching out. This guy's sort of retired and lonely and out of the game. 
yeah, I could always use a good man to, to sort of work for me, right? I, I don't think that he fired his other corner person, so uh, he probably brought this guy along. Both of those things, I think, show that he kind of, you know, has his heart in the right place in terms of just trying to help people. Uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing that he's still fighting. You know, he's got the gray hair and uh, he's supposed to be, I don't know, I don't, at this point, is this Wildcat necessarily a guy that, you know, fought crime in the 40s? And it's now the 70s, maybe. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's, he's much older, and yet he's a star. He, I, you know, it feels like he's Rocky in the Creed movies. You know, he's training in the gym. There's a big sign that says, now training. <laughs> so they have to put that thing up anytime he walks in. Now training, Ted Grant. So he's a big deal in the boxing world. So I imagine him as like the older Rocky, the older George Foreman, the older, you know, whoever you, Muhammad Ali, whoever you want to name, uh, that is still respected in the sport and the world at large. He's sort of a celebrity. Yeah, and I think part of the reason why that comes across so great is that those pages by Aparo of him boxing Batman are, as I said before, you know, that's like a real boxing match. You're feeling those punches that he's still throwing, even at his advanced age, that, you know, he he really is still one of the premier boxers in the world, uh, despite having gone that, you know, gone through the, the years that he has. So he still shows that he's kind of at the top of his game. I just, those pages, as somebody, you know, I used to watch boxing more uh, when you didn't have to pay to watch matches when they were on television. I used to watch boxing. And those are great pages by Aparo that show the skill that these two fighters had. I mean, my guess is Aparo probably was a fan himself or must have had great photos to sort of reference. But that's one thing about Aparo. I mean, here he's, a, I mean, in Brave and the Bold, I think he's at the top of his game. I love those issues. I think they're gorgeous. It's so slick. It's so great. And one of the things that he does so well, regardless, is the what I call the explosive fists. <laughs> All his punches look explosive. They look like they hurt. They look like they take people's heads off. And so boxing is like the perfect type of story to showcase that particular artist's talent, you know? I mean, it's supposed to hurt. Those sesti are like gladiatorial, you know, weapons. Never mind the um, brass knuckles. This thing has spikes going out of it. You know, it's totally metal. You know, Joker's forcing our two guys to fight with this. So they're really harming one another. Yeah. And and yet they'll they'll have to you know to walk it off eventually and jump in the water to save a dog and I mean they're all doing this after getting hit in the head with metal gloves. Yeah, and one of the things that I love, which is uh, it really shows you his skill, is that there's one panel at the beginning of this fight where they're clearly like shadow boxing with each other that they're not really into it and the Joker has to tell them like no you better start boxing and when you look at that just the way like Wildcat is slumped his shoulders and the way Batman is kind of leaning backwards. He conveys that they're fake fighting. Like you look at that and you go, this isn't real, which then is a great foil when you see them double KO each other and just lay into each other that you can, you can see the difference in power that they're doing. I'm with you. I, I love these wave and mold issues. And the lettering is, you know, playing the game as well, because while they're shadow boxing, there's a hit. We see a hit and there's no sound to it. And then the Joker tells them, you know, if you don't fight harder, uh, I'll shoot the dog. As, as he starts saying it, not even once the gun is on the dog, there's our first crack. Yeah. And then from then on, it's pow, crack, and you can actually hear the punches landing. I think Aparo did his own lettering on this stuff. So finally, I just said uh, some points off to the warden of this prison. It's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> you got Dubsec or Dubcheck or however he wants to pronounce it, is in solitary. You take him out against... You know, police orders. You take him out to do that match. Fine. 
and then you let him eat with the rest of Gen Pop, because that's how he communicates the disease yeah. to the others. So he didn't go straight back to solitary. Uh, he sort of like got a you know a day's leave or something. So that's uh, that is all on him. That warden is uh, to blame for all of this. I agree. As you say, if part of their hope was to break his spirit by putting him in solitary, having a day where he's like boxing to the cheers of his friends and then eating lunch with them, you probably set your timeline back to sort of getting him cracked to give up where the Joker is. So probably a poor form. All right, let's talk about who fared better. Uh, first off, well, how well does this fit each of the characters' stories or atmospheres? Is this more of a Batman story or is it more of a Wildcat story? What do you think, Ange? I actually think it's more of a Wildcat story. You have this many pages of guys in a boxing ring boxing. I think that this is, uh, is a Wildcat story more than a Batman story. Uh, you could probably put... Green Arrow or maybe Richard Dragon in Batman spot, and it could maybe unfold the same way. I really think this is more Wildcat story. What do you think? Well, I'll, I'll take the win since I'm defending Wildcat. But yeah, I mean, it's the Joker who is a Batman villain. So that, that puts, that's points for being a Batman story. You've got Commissioner Gordon, but Braven the Bold always does this. You know, it always relates it back to the Batman family somehow, uh, because it is Batman's book. Uh, that said, I, I have to agree that, you know, the Joker is even not quite in character in, in his modus operandi. It's totally to fit Ted Grant and his world. And since both characters at this point were working in Gotham City, we can't even, even use the setting as, you know, a way to, to parse this out. So uh, let's call it a Wildcat story. What about cool moves? What is Batman's coolest move? I still have to say, I know that Ted Grant is older in this, but the fact that Batman doesn't do judo, doesn't do Aikido, doesn't do any of the other fighting that he does, that he just box, straight up boxes Ted Grant and gets to a draw, I think is a cool move to show that Batman truly is the master of all fighting styles. What about Wildcat? Fighting a convicted criminal half his age and probably not playing all that fair. Yeah. <laughs> As Ted Grant, uh, you know, that's the bosses <laughs> of, the, of the boobs <laughs> because, you know, you're not even protected by your superhero identity or the uh, even Wildcat could cheat. He doesn't need to use strict boxing rules, you know, in the street. He still beats a guy who is probably you know, a very, very tough opponent, uh, one that's boxing to win. So that's the cool move. What about dumb or weird moves? They often happen in team-up books. What's Batman's dumbest or weirdest? I have to say this whole gambit that he does at the very end where he lies or doesn't lie about the fact that the dog has infected the Joker, he could have pulled that out earlier, right? He could have just said, like, it's an airborne disease and you've been hanging around that dog for a long time. You better let us get him to the prison so the scientists can make serum instead of waiting until their heads are almost like torn off their bodies before sort of pulling out that trick. And even then, is it a lie or not a lie? I, the whole thing is just very weird to me. Batman doesn't really seem to know the answer to his own, is that true? And Batman says, ah, who knows? Yeah, it could be true, <laughs> but, you know, maybe it's not. <laughs> so, you know, that was one of the things that, again, as a kid, just kind of like, you know, had me scratching my head saying, I just don't quite understand it. But if he's a carrier, I'm asking you as a doctor, if the dog is a carrier and his body is sort of making these antibodies because he does have the virus. I guess it depends if you can communicate it through saliva. Yeah, you know, and part of the other thing is that I don't quite know, you know, 
one of the things about this is that it's that this scientist at this institute has been experimenting on him to sort of make this serum. So I don't know if this is like has been inoculated him in some way that he can't shed the disease or if this is this is a dog that they have discovered has shed the disease but is still alive and therefore is making serum so uh, my suspicion would be that if it's like he has come about this in in a standard way and for some reason is able to mount enough of an antibody response that he's not dying then yeah he probably is contagious and it most likely is through some sort of like contact form uh as, you know the bite definitely would be something that i would be worried about if he has the disease so the whole thing for me is is just trying to figure out like like, how did the scientist experiment on him? Can he shed it in that way? Uh, as for Wildcat, well, the, the dumb move is letting, you know, losing the dog. And he's not looking very hard. If you're looking for a dog, he's maybe in this junkyard or on this on the shore here. And I'm just racing by in a motorcycle. Yeah, you're probably going to miss it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And, you know, this is like the most important thing uh, is to find this dog. So, you know, take your time and do the job right, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you just spin it around and, oh, no, I didn't see the dog. Well, <laughs> yeah. But don't you know this dog can, is trained to do tricks? Maybe in the mad science world of DC Comics, the scientist wasn't really making antibodies for this tropical, this rare tropical disease. It's just like a an accidental byproduct of his experiments to make the dog the best circus performer ever. <laughs> it's hard to say. Uh, the friendly farewell, finally, a team-up tradition. How does this one rate the goodbye between Batman and Wildcat at the end of this? Oh, I, I think this is a top-notch friendly farewell right there, like laughing it up standing next to each other in the jail, like joking about how, you know, the Joker finally got his place, you know, in solitary. Ha 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 ha. Right. And they're holding up the dog. Like this is truly the, the a friendly farewell. These guys are pals. Yeah. They don't need to say goodbye really, because they'll be on another mission later. You know, it's, it's just like, uh, if Robin's not available, uh, then you're well cast, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's sort of, they do look like partners. In this, and I think the animal motifs and the sort of the colors are the same, maybe helps that out. But it is a the last panel that kind of looks like they'll be together again next issue. Yeah, um, and knowing Bob Heaney, they probably would be. <laughs> uh, if you could make it happen, it would. All right, well, we'll take a break for a couple of promos, and then we'll be back with our bonus team ups. Coming soon from Amalgam Comics. Bruce Wayne broods in his study one night, hoping to come up with an idea which will strike fear in the heart of the superstitious and cowardly lot of criminals. As he ponders, a rabid bat, overcome by the madness of rabies, crashes through his window. But before the bat can bite Wayne and infect him with the deadly virus, Bruce's pet cat springs from the floor and takes the bat out of the air with tooth and claw. Seeing the mangled corpse of the diseased bat in the bloody jaws of his pet cat is horrific, terrifying, and perfect. Thus Bruce adopts the superhero sobriquet, Bat-Cat, the winged scourge of the night who strikes with cat-like grace and agility. Beware, criminals, for the Chirop terror, the feline fury, Bat-Cat. Welcome to the world of tomorrow! <laughs> the Legion of Superheroes through the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, the Baxter series, five years later, the reboot, the three-boot, the retro-boot, the animated series, 
we have banded together as the Legion of Super Bloggers to cover it all. Seek us out at legionofsuperbloggers.blogspot.com. Why do you always have to say it that way? Haven't you ever heard of a little thing called showmanship? We're back. One final feature, the bonus team-up, in which each of us proposes a perfect Wildcat team-up, in this case. So, Ange, what have you got for us? What's the pitch? All right. Wildcat and Union Jack from Marvel's Invaders. Now, I'm sure that that doesn't sound like a uh, surefire moneymaker, but still in my heart, I have Wildcat as a World War II hero, and I would want to see him in a period piece as kind of like a palooka who elevates himself as a hero during the war. So let's have him team up with someone from Marvel's World War II team, the Invaders. And then you need kind of something of a hook. So team him up with Lord Falsworth, you know, a more stodgy Brit who can dust knuckles, but it still makes for a nice odd couple team up. You know, it's a buddy cop movie. It's a period piece. It's sort of a pulp story. It's, you know, uh, average Joe from the streets of America and a, a landed nobleman from Britain. And I can totally see these two fighting before they team up. You know, they stumble onto each other trying to break up a Nazi plot of some sort. They don't know who each other is. They fight, you know, America versus Britain and then realize that they're allies and team up. So Wildcat and Union Jack. So the hook you needed, is that supposed to be a boxing pun? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, I, I've gone Marvel as well, but I, I'm keeping it on this side of the ocean. Uh, Wildcat and Marvel's Hellcat. Now, bear with me. This is insane. Uh, <laughs> because what I really want is to have Wildcat fight Mad Dog, you know, Hellcat's <laughs> husband slash villain. Uh, so this would take place in two time frames. Yes, there's Wildcat, Wildcat, Hellcat, Mad Dog, who fight in the present day. But there's also a setup in the 50s where Ted Grant is a boxer on tour who crosses paths with Patsy Walker and Buzz, her boyfriend, who the, <laughs> the, the super-powered guys are based on. It's two against one. Uh, maybe it isn't much of a challenge, so there should also be a canine opponent for uh, you know from the DCU in the mix. Maybe one of DC's uh, own Mad Dog characters. I might use the there's a serial killer from the Arkham Asylum graphic novel, uh, Mad Dog Hawkins. He was institutionalized you know maybe back in the 50s, you know in the past. So uh, maybe that puts him in the 50s, in the same time frame as Patsy Buzz and Ted, so they could meet him. Anyway, so I, I'm doing this weird. If they let me write comics, this is the sort of thing I would try to do. Yeah, so you've got your soap opera humor comic in you know in the past time frame, and then of course it all becomes superheroes. Maybe Ted Grant is really surprised to find that Patsy and Buzz have, have become superpowered, or and maybe he was the inspiration. You know that actually all sounds pretty good. You could even have some sort of uh, love interest between Ted and Patsy's mom, and you could uh, oh. you could do that in Lonely Hearts. Uh, as uh, a possible story. Sold. <laughs> if only I were a Marvel or a DC editor. I thought for sure one of us would say Wild Dog, right? Like, because there's DC's Wild Dog, uh, that Wildcat would team up with Wild Dog. Neither of us went there. It's there, but uh, I, I've never really read a whole lot of Mad Dog, so um, I wouldn't have felt very uh, secure in my choice. Uh, well, that's all the time we had, so thanks for teaming up with me, Ange. Uh, can you remind people where they can find you on these here internets? Uh, I run a Supergirl fan site called Comic Box Commentary. I am uh, in charge of Fridays, the Legion of Superbloggers, uh, which you're also on, so thank you for your input 
put there. And I'm probably most active on Twitter at Dr. Ange 70. And a reminder that we do enjoy reading your comments and that the best place for that is fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also visit the uh, Fire and Water Podcast Network Facebook page or uh, on Twitter. We are at FW Podcasts. So see you next time for another amazing superhero team up because after all, justice is a team effort. Thank you.